Hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Radar, episode 48. This week on the show, we talk about the PlayStation 4 Bro. It's actually the PlayStation 4 Pro, and we get into whether or not this is an essential purchase for the PlayStation players already playing on a regular PS4. Then we move on to the discussion of Super Mario Run, the first big appearance of a core Nintendo icon on iOS platforms, and what that means for the beginning of Nintendo's iOS future. And then finally, we move on to some discussion of Final Fantasy XV and World of Final Fantasy, which our own Dave Roberts got to play, before closing with some discussion of some delightful smaller games like Picross 3D 2. Listen on, and we apologize this week for some audio hiccups. We had a little trouble in the recording process, but everything evens out after the first few minutes. Listen on. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's not Dreamcast Day for you when you're listening to the, this. It's Dreamcast Day for us here on September 9th, and it's Dreamcast Day every day in all of our hearts. Welcome to Radio Radar. <laughs> uh, my... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm fired fucking up today, guys. I'm I'm feeling it. Uh, my name is Anthony John Agnello, senior social editor at Games Radar, and I bring you a cavalcade of noble souls here on the podcast. We have executive editor Susan Arndt. It's my brother's birthday day. Happy birthday, brother. Happy birthday, oh, snap. Susan's brother. We have... <laughs> happy birthday, Susan's brother. Yeah, happy birthday. Uh, we have Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. Hello, and today on NPR we will be discussing Michael McDonald's new album. <laughs> a man in Brooklyn who does Tibetan throat singing at a local coffee shop. Dave, please, have I ever, have I ever done... Book. What? What's up? Have I, ever t- have I ever told you about Apocalypse NPR? Apocalypse? That my, my, dream, my dream is to be listening... To the NPR Jazz Hour, <laughs> and when, just, the, and end when the, the end of the world happens. happens, yeah, like right when, right when every, because like I just want to hear, like, ladies and gentlemen, that was Blue and Green by Miles Davis, and it appears that the ground has opened up and the Dark Lord Satan is approaching the earth, and uh, sulfur is raining down from the sky. Everybody, keep cool here on NPR Jazz eighty-eight. We'll keep your soundtrack I... rolling through the rapture. <laughs> Anthony, I actually, when I was in high school, we had the speech and drama competition, and I did radio news, and I made up K-I-L-L, all cult worship, all the time. (laughs) Hosted by, hosted by Dark Lord Timothy with Weatherman Lothar. Okay, okay, now, I, I want the death metal station that plays in the Mushroom Kingdom. (laughs) <laughs> right? Because there's got to be one. Oh, hail the Dark Prince! Okay! <laughs> time, time for some metal! Oh my god. Uh, dark, the, the, and that's dark what goes Lord out Lothar. to Wario! <laughs> Waluigi, this one is for you! Toad's a fan of double bass, I think. Dark Lord Lothar himself, Sam Prell. 
Yeah, little-known fact, uh, in honor of the Dreamcast's birthday today, I'm actually recording this from my VMU. <laughs> hey Strong. From your C-Man microphone. Mm. Oh, man. Well, wait, we published, we published a story about this uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I know that there is somebody that is converting Pokemon Go to yeah. work on a Dreamcast yes. VMU. Yes. Which I think is like, but, like that is God's work. Okay, right first there. of all, that is that is the Lord's work, absolutely. But the problem with the, the VMUs is the batteries are dead, so you have to unscrew it, take right. it apart, put right. the new battery in. It's actually kind of a pain. Uh, I actually, my my favorite my, of all the many Dreamca- Dreamcast birthday announcements that I've seen today, my favorite came from uh, Twitter's own... Wario 64. Mm. Nobody knows who Wario is, right? He's a bot. Nobody's ever. No. I mean, he's that. not a bot, but everyone thinks he's a bot because he's he not a bot. Apparently, doesn't hey, sleep. We'll we'll get to this when we start talking about the ye old P- PS4 Bro. Uh, <laughs> when we talk about the PlayStation 4 Bro, I was at that Sony event, and Wario 64's feed was constantly being updated with images that were positioned right behind. Me oh, to the right. <laughs> And I was like, I like every now and again, like I couldn't take my face away from the screen because I had to be like updating our feeds the entire time. But I kept like turning around, being like, "Is that him? Is that him? <laughs> Why is it? What is that? Is that Wario? He's like the Dark Knight of hot scoops and video game deals. Like, he he just, he swoops yes. in and then off into the night. He's yeah. a myth. He is he is Mysterion for for freaking video games. Uh, Darkwing Duck. But he he's Darkwing Duck. He's the Darkwing Duck. <laughs> yeah, he is constantly getting dangerous. Um, he he this morning put uh put up a thing that just says beep happy birthday Dreamcast, and I was like, oh, it's the VMU going off. That's yeah. my favorite. That's my fave. Gave the system I, I, a real distinctive startup sound when your VMU batteries were dead. Sure yeah. did. <laughs> sure did. Boy oh, freaking howdy. So, yeah, everybody, it's been uh, a very momentous post-Labor Day week right now. There's a lot going on, and the, the I would say the biggest thing of the week was the announcement of the PS4 Pro, uh, or Pro, if you want to actually be truthful about what it's actually called. So, Sony had their uh, r- rigorously titled PlayStation meeting event. Like, everywhere you went in there, it just had signs that says, PlayStation meeting. I was like, I like your, your, your symbol. Not like, holiday season or the future of PlayStation. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, this doesn't look out. like it was hastily slapped together at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, PlayStation meeting. And uh, at the PlayStation meeting, they, they brought out the creator of Mac himself, Mark Cerny, to introduce the PlayStation 4 Pro, which is the long-rumored, beefy update to the PlayStation 4 hardware. Uh, and, you know, we could go into the weeds of technical specs, which I know is Susan's favorite. Oh, yeah. I know, I know you love that. Don't email us. Don't Don't email it's double the GPU. It's GDDR. I mean, like, like the, the yeah, tech, you want, the tech uh, specs are basically like it's it's almost twice as powerful as it, the. It is two. It's two PlayStation Fours duct taped. <laughs> basically, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, that's actually what it looks that's like. That's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's literally what the PlayStation Four Pro looks like. Uh, for the the short version is for three hundred ninety nine dollars this November, you will be able to buy a PlayStation Four. That will ostensibly, 
for most games, make them run a little bit better. They, they're saying that from here on out, PlayStation 4 Pro settings for all games, which is all games shipping after September, will include a pro mode. You, you might get improved frame rate. You know, so people who wanted, like, a locked-down 60 frames per second for Bloodborne, they have not confirmed a Bloodborne patch, but that's the sort of thing that would be in here. And more than that is the the support for 4K output on 4K televisions, which makes games like Horizon Zero Dawn go from being, wow, that's crazy pretty, to that's crazy super de-duper pretty. Uh, and I will admit, seeing this thing in person, those games do look very pretty. Susan and I had uh, a long discussion about the PlayStation 4 Pro yesterday while I was writing an editorial about it. Because, uh, and, and Susan, you and I got into the demo that they had that was wiping a screen back and forth between the original presentation of Uncharted 4 and a PS4 Pro presentation of uncharted 4 and it looks gorgeous yep it looks crazy yep. it, it like it goes from being the damn prettiest game you've ever seen to just being sterling clear and awesome now what do you guys think of this machine everybody on this call owns a playstation 4 are you going to get a playstation 4 pro sam no the answer is no and uh, before this recording you were saying you know this seems like something that i would like and you're right because i am a early adopter fiend i love new technology and you know any chance to kind of dip my toes into the well of a new system or accessory or what have you i generally take it however the fact that the playstation 4 pro is such an expensive Upgrade Like, if I didn't have a PlayStation 4, yes, I would offer the Pro over a PS4, right? Um, but as it currently stands, it's just a an expensive upgrade that I don't feel warrants the price of inclusion. Mm. Mm, mm, um, mm. I mean, even if I were to trade in my current PS4, it's still at least 100 if not $200 to upgrade for what I see are as incremental upgrades. Plus, uh, they said that, you know, regular base PS4 is going to uh, get the HDM, not HDMR, HDR mm -hmm. uh, compatibility mm -hmm. patched in. So, I yeah, think... Yeah, the high... If, if you have a... So, this is this is a point of confusion for a lot of people. Right. Is, is there's, there's a difference between 4K and... Uh, 4K televisions and... Televisions that are capable of high dynamic range, HDR, right. which uh, if you if you saw Mark Cerny's presentation of the PlayStation 4 Pro, Mark Cerny's like, well, the biggest addition is HDR, and look at the depth of, of clarity that you get with an HDR image. And then they went and said, as you said, Sam, all PlayStation 4s, whether you have the original, whether you have the Slim, which was also announced, or the PS4 Pro, all of them will have the HDR. Yeah, like, uh, 4, yeah that, that was the is, most bizarre uh, part. Uh, 4K is like resolution, and HDR is color, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm just trying to yes. get in my head what these concepts are, because it's, it's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Don't write in, everybody. We don't. We don't need. 
We're trying to simplify. We're trying to simplify. It is a lot of stuff to keep in mind. As as somebody who used to sell televisions at Best Buy, here's what it reminds me of, though. Mm. Uh, this reminds me of back when it was kind of a battle between LCD, LED, and plasma. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. You had people who wanted the resolution, who wanted, thought that 1080p was what they wanted, and they didn't care about contrast ratio or refresh rates. And they thought that they wanted resolution. Well, then those TVs would always get returned because, surprise, a resolution doesn't actually mean that much if you can't display proper colors. So Cerny is right in that HDR is, I would say, more important than the resolution. But you still have this, like, split between it's not what you think it is and you Mm -hmm. really need to see it in action before you decide if it's worth your money. Mm Mm-hmm. Susan, how about you? How are you feeling about the PS4 Pro? Uh, Well, it's definitely not for me, um, because A, I already have a PlayStation, and um, and B, I don't have a TV that will Mm -hmm. take advantage of any of its improvements. But frankly, even if I didn't have a PS4 already, if I didn't have a PS4, I would be going for the Slim, because it's less expensive, for one thing, and by the time I personally get around to having a TV that will, you know, embrace it to its fullest. And by the time they have enough games doing interesting things with this ability, that's mm-hmm. a few years down the line. Yeah, so it really is. there's just no reason for me to have it at this particular time. If, if you are a, one of those folks who is, is super into high-end visuals and you've already got the, you know, the big 4K TV and all that, then God bless you, go get this, because the games do look markedly better. They absolutely do. Mm-hmm. But you kind of can only tell that when you, when you see them next to each other. Yeah, yeah. And and the other, the other thing is, uh, you know, there are all of these amazing PlayStation 4 games coming out in the very near future. And, and you know, the, the accusation against the PlayStation 4 up to this point, you know, since it came out three years ago, has always been... Oh, it's a great system. Oh, it's very usable. People really like it. It's got great online as opposed to the PlayStation 3, but where are the exclusives? The exclusives are freaking happening, man. This fall, we've got Last Guardian. We've got Gravity Rush 2. Next year, we've got things like God of War, the, you know, whatever it's going to be called. God of War, Beardo, returns. Uh, (laughs) Return of Beardo. (laughs) Return of Beardo. God of War, the Um, Wonder Years. God, God. <laughs> oh my god oh my god if fred savage was kratos and the tagline was release the, the inner savage fred savage god of oh my god i would play that game that's the only game i would ever play for the rest of my life and his best friend would be paul and it just like just looks just like paul but winnie is actually a titan and is the size of mount anyway uh, so all of these PlayStation 4 games, none of them were demonstrated at the PlayStation 4 Pro, you know, uh, event. And so it's like, yes, like Horizon Zero Dawn, it looks really cool. And I guess Shadow of Mordor, uh, Shadow of Mordor gets a patch that makes that look super cool. But we, we don't even have a sense of what the PlayStation 4 Pro mode of all of these exclusives is going to look like. So it's really hard to sit there and say, like... You know, Susan, you said if I didn't own a PlayStation 4, you'd get a Slim. Mm-hmm. For somebody that doesn't, one of the one of the, 
one of the people who aren't amongst the 40 million existing PlayStation 4 owners, if they're sitting there saying, well, here are the games coming out, and I don't know what this new thing is going to do to them, that's a really tough sell. Yeah. Uh, Susan, you also, at one point, I know, had a pre-order in I did. the PlayStation VR, yep. and you don't anymore. Is that correct? That is 100% correct. Yeah, I... I think I pre-ordered it, like, literally the moment you could. I was hitting refresh mm-hmm. on the Amazon mm-hmm. page to, to pre-order yeah. it because I was so excited about it. I, don't know, I was excited about Res Infinite. Let's, let's not lie. Right. Let's not, right. You know. I mean, you know, you're let's only just, human like the rest of us. Right. Like, let's we've, all, we've all bought that, like, $400 accessory that's for one game. Yeah. We've done it. Yeah. But uh, then I went to E3 and played the Resident Evil demo in VR, and it made me ill. Uh, I got motion sick, so that was definitely a concern because that's the kind of, the horror experience was a big sell for me. That's a big reason why I wanted it. But now, they didn't come out and say, I mean, they say the PSVR will still work on both, and it will. But it's going to be one of those, the, remember when, when you had to have the jump pack in your N64 mm-hmm. for, the, for the best experience? Right. That's right, if you wanted to do anything more in Perfect Dark than play against bots. Right. <laughs> and that's kind of where I feel like this is going to end up going. And if you don't have the, the PS4 Pro, you're not going to have the best VR experiences. It's going to be Vomit and City. It, it, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, again, for me, very much a wait and see. It, that might not be the yeah. case. That's great. You know what? They'll keep selling them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like, God, that's the thing. You know, it, the wait and see factor here is I'm I'm as worried as anybody else about the, oh, you know, it, if you want to play this game the proper way, you're, you're going to need the PlayStation 4 Pro. But that, it depends entirely on adoption at this point, you know? Because there was a point in time when everybody was like, oh, shit, you know, my Sega Genesis is going to be useless now that the Sega CD is out. Oh, oh wait, my... <laughs> My Sega Genesis is going to be a bunch of bullshit now that the 32X is out. And how did that go? Like, you know, I I don't... Sony has been batting, like, a thousand for the past couple of years. They've been doing very, very well with the PlayStation 4. They learned from their mistakes. Uh, You know, hell, the PlayStation 4 even recovered from some of the design flaws of the freaking Vita. Uh, you know, they, they didn't sit there and say that people need to go buy proprietary memory uh, for, for a PlayStation 4 if they wanted to upgrade their hard drive. It's a very smartly designed system. But Sony seems to be forgetting that the secret to console success is making the thing that is both the cheapest and the funnest. You know, uh, the, the whatever is going to be the cheapest option is usually going to be the most successful option. We've seen that with the Wii. We've seen it with the PlayStation 2 compared to the Xbox. Uh, and, you know, by the time the GameCube was dropping price as quickly as possible to try and catch up, it was too late for that system. Okay. Uh, I re- you're not wrong, first of all, because price is the, is the primary determining factor for the vast majority of people mm-hmm. buying consoles. Because uh, at this point, there are so few exclusives yeah. You can pretty much anything you want, especially if you have a, a PC that can play games. The world is your freaking oyster. Uh, but you really need to take the Wii out of that equation. The Wii was a freak. The Wii... Uh, yeah. It was. It, it, you it know. was. Uh, You're right. I, 
But uh, the Xbox 360 compared to the the PlayStation 3 then? Yes. You know, uh, the PlayStation 3 comes out and it's like, wow, we've got two models. One's $600 and the other's $500. Oh my God. And the consumer populace said, blow me. Pretty much. And went and bought a copy of Gears of War. That is true. You are not wrong. That, oh my God, the PS3 launch was so... It was, a disaster. it was a complete disaster because. I mean, well, did you get two jobs to buy that PS3? <laughs> I, I do whatever Ken Kutaragi ever tells me to do. Whatever Ken says goes. I went, I picked up some extra hours down at the local movie theater at the drive in. I took tickets and I, I got that $600 backwards compatible PS3. None of what I just said happened. I uh, did save up money. I didn't go for picking up extra ticket sales, but I did <laughs> save up money, and I bought the $600 version. I bought it a week before they dropped the price by $100 after they kept saying, oh, no, we're not going to drop the price. No, it's not going to happen. Definitely not going to happen. In the spring of 2007, I did the exact same goddamn thing. I missed that price drop by two freaking weeks, man. Well, I took it back to Walmart, and I'm like, they didn't tell me this. This is bullshit. I want $100 difference. And they thankfully, I got away with that one. Well, that's not, no, 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 no. That's not a get away with. That's just good customer service. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like if it's a month, screw you. If it's a week, you you give that customer their money back. The Uh, only reason I have a PS3, uh, I have a a launch model backwards compatible, and it is is wonderful, Um, because I was interviewing for a job at, at PlayStation. And oh, they said, no and they're like, and I'm doing an interview, and they're like, oh, well, so, you know, what's your favorite game on the PS3? I said, I don't have one. It's too expensive. Huh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so like, well, you should probably at least be somewhat acquainted with this before we continue the conversation. So they sent me one. Oh, that's amazing. That's funny. Susan, the day I got my launch PlayStation 3, you'll love this because it's a, it's, it, it would be a totally different world. But that day... Before I went to pick up my PS3, I interviewed for a job as a raider at the ESRB. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. Now, they didn't give me that That job. Oh, Oh, no. Who would give me that job? (laughs) No one would. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Wow. That. Galgun is rated. You're the one that gave Galgun the E rating, aren't you? (laughs) Everyone should play this game. I'm going to put an E on it. This is rated T for teen, might contain mild violence and dope beats. Who wrote this? Who did this? Dave, Dave, I know... May contain too much Jimmy Smith. (laughs) May contain too much meat. Uh, May contain not enough Jimmy Smith. You looked at PlayStation 4 Pro... And you said, eh, and then you saw Final Fantasy XV yeah, and the sizzle I, reel for PlayStation 4 Pro. A, I have a weak spot in my heart for that game right now. Um, and it's just, like, it's, I'm not, I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to buy it for one game, but I'm the kind of person that would <laughs> if I had the money. Um, but the thing is, like, Sony, Sony confuses me. Mm. Because they have this message that, like, you know, we are, we are for the pro gamers. We, you know, we we've built this machine for the people. We are uh, a company for the people. And like, but they make really weird to sit. Like, there was hardly any talk of VR at that at that PlayStation meeting. Just mm-hmm. like a hey, here's one game that will run a little bit better if you have the PS4 Pro, uh, and that's it. Uh, oh, and like, never mind the fact that that comes out next month. 
they're you know the they they introduce these concepts like move they th- and and drop them as the moment they're not doing well like until dawn its success was a complete accident um so i wonder like because it started off as a move game and then they completely redid the controls, so... Yeah, 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 started as a move game, did, redid the controls, was supposed to be on PS3, ended up on PS4, and they sent that game out to die. And for the grace of God, we saved it. <laughs> uh, we did that! We did that! Yeah, uh, it's true! And part of me wonders... Well, Grant, Grant Ward, Grant Ward and Mr. Robots. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> Uh, but like, and part of me wonders if the same thing isn't going to happen to the PS4 Pro. I mean, like, it, it's a it's a new system, so I mean, if if they get enough people to buy it, I'm sure people will support it. But like, what if no one buys the thing? And okay, they just I have yeah. I have quietly... a question. Because mm-hmm. let's keep in mind, PlayStation is owned by Sony. Right. Mm-hmm. Sony yeah. makes TVs. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so, what I was thinking too. You know, did. Does this strike you and who's, as who's under a mandate? Who's under a mandate to make TVs a success again? Kaz Harai, yeah. who used to run the PlayStation business, yeah, very recently. Yeah, so yep. I'm yep. I'm really just wondering how much of this is a we got we got to move product. You know, we, we got we got to sell these TVs. Moves, moves well, yeah, and tying the TVs tying the TVs to the PlayStation brand, which is the most successful branch yeah. of Sony yeah. right now, yeah, mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. the most sense. Yeah. But like that sort of that sort of vertical integration, Susan, which is that's if anybody listening is vertical integration, vertical integration. If nobody out there is a thirty rock viewer, uh, the the vertical integration aspect of this suits Sony's business ends, and it also suits Sony for in a year. Say say, you know, we get to November of twenty seventeen. And the Scorpio is finally ready for prime time. Mm. And then Sony says, oops, there goes the PS4 Slim. Now the PS4 Pro is the only PS4 and it's two ninety nine. Mm. That's like, it suits them in, in all of these different business ways. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Like it is, it's not totally inexplicable. I, I think it is so risky though. Because Dave, like everything you're saying, it muddies the water yeah. for the average consumer in a way that nothing else. And does. and it's like it's just it's a deeply confusing product. Like, okay, so it's got the 4K support, it's got the better um, hardware, right? But like HDR is coming to the base PS4. Um, so like, do, like do I need to buy this? Do I not need to buy this? Uh, and. Like, I, I know, Anthony, that you, you don't necessarily agree with me, with me on this, but I find it absolutely baffling that the PS4 Pro doesn't have some kind of UHD uh, Blu-ray support. That there's no yeah, 4K I, video... Like, you can stream 4K video through, like, yeah. Netflix and, of course, their their Sony-branded video streaming... Pr- Ultra. Yeah, Ultra. service... <laughs> Uh, much like PS Now is the reason why you can't play PlayStation 1 games on your PS4, even though I was able to mod my my iPad Mini to do the same, like, three <laughs> years ago. Um, it, like, so this is supposed to be for the pro-consumer, the first adopter, the, you know, the guy, uh, the, the, the man or woman who is going to have a 4K no, TV. No, 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 it's and, the man. And, let's, well, let's okay. just... Yeah, it is. 
Thank you, Susan. It is. Thank you. Like, this is, I, like, this is, I, I sound like I'm being glib and doing dad humor when I say PS4 bro. Right. But, like, oh, yeah. that's what this thing is, man. This is, like, I would not be surprised is, like, Sony presents the man cave. Like, <laughs> come on in. And so, PS4. to be clear, I am saying that as the reason every single time we have gotten a bigger or better TV in my house, it's been because I said we, we needed one. Because I'm like, oh, I yeah. can't see my games well enough. We need to buy a new TV. And my husband's just like, is this is this a trick? Am I <laughs> being punk right? No, I, I need a 60-inch TV. We need to go to the store. Like, you know, so this is it, this is a dude thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Big time. Like the, the whole the whole thing about like the, the Sony's entire um, like arc over the last uh, several years has been like ushering in not just like new video game technology, but like new new video technology. Mm. Like the PS2 basically made DVDs popular. The PS3 made Blu-ray popular. That's and true. the PS4 Pro, like I, the industry is trying to push these uh, ultra HD Blu-ray discs. Um, and the high-end consumer, the kind of person that would drop money on launch day, for a PS4 Pro isn't going to have that. But the Xbox One S, which is $100 cheaper, has that support. I've, I have a question as someone who doesn't buy DVDs anymore. Right. Uh, is, is, is UHD Blu-ray different than regular Blu-ray? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's basically 4K Okay. Uh, compatible so there will be like uh, i believe has the hdr yeah okay so there's two different versions of the disc is what you're saying Mm -hmm. okay okay yeah and it's it i don't know like like the like physical media may be on its way out i'm like within the next 10 years it's definitely on its way out but for someone who is buying this thing and wants to show off like their new 4k tv set um, and video and like like the best possible picture. The last thing that you want to do is boot up Netflix and have streaming artifacts because nope. your internet's crappy. I'm I'm with yeah. I'm with Dave on this one. Like you you want to put in like what's the most gorgeous Blu-ray yeah. you have? Evan Speed Racer. Speed Racer. <laughs> Speed Racer's a fine choice, actually. Yeah. But yeah, like pop that in and 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 blow everybody's mind and be like, oh my god, I can see through time. You know that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm with Dave. It's it's weird. Yeah, I, I, man, I, Dave. Let me ask you this: if if it did have 4K Blu-ray support in there, is that what would get you to buy the PlayStation well, 4 Pro? I don't need it because I don't have a 4K TV. Mm-hmm. But like, if I yeah. did, that would push me over the edge because it'd be like, okay, well, it would be cheaper than most ultra, you know, UHD players. Much yeah, like yeah. how the PS3 was the cheapest and, Blu-ray player at the time, or the PS2 mm-hmm, was the cheapest mm-hmm. DVD player at the time, mm-hmm. um, it would be it would be the same kind of thing. If it's the cheap the cheapest one, I get to play uh, the same games. They'll look better on my crisp 4K television. That would do it for me. But the fact that it's not there is just like it. It just makes me wonder, like, what this machine's purpose really is for. Do we know what I, the quality of the 4K Blu-ray playback is like on the Xbox One S? Because I know that for years people were like, oh, well, the PlayStation 3 is the cheapest Blu-ray bl- player that you can buy. But the Blu-ray playback sucks on the PS3. And in so, what way? Like the, 
Um, I, I, I'm not, like, this is purely by reputation. Oh, right? I see. Like, okay. when you talk to cinephiles, I see. they're like, oh, you don't want that. You need, you need something superior. Okay. Uh, see, I don't know anything. You know, I, I, like, I, I uh, never got uh, yeah. into that aspect of movie viewing. I, ha- you know, I just need to be able to see Event Horizon whenever I want. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to see Sam Neill going, hell is just a word, and then see people eating their own arms. Um, oh, such a good movie. It, Oh, yeah, I, it's trash, yeah. but it's gorgeous trash, and I love yeah. it. Yeah. Here's okay. So here's my crazy theory about the the PlayStation Four Pro, and you guys tell me if I'm way off base on this, but it kind of seems like there are two different um, consumer motivations for buying a new product. Either I have been stuck with this, like an old version of the thing for too long and now i want the new thing mm-hmm. or uh there i'm perfectly fine with my current thing but there's a new thing and the marketing tells me i need it i don't really need it and a part of me knows that but i'm told that i do and so that kind of makes me want to get it it's the difference between having uh, a console like you have had for six seven or eight years as we had in this past generation and you're starting to get tired of it, and you're like, well, now things are looking better, and I feel like this is slowing down. Mm -hmm. I'm ready for a new system. When am I going to get my next PlayStation or my next Xbox? Versus, like, the iPhone, where, like, I have an iPhone 6 Plus, and as much as the stupid, like, haptic feedback and all that crap is on the 6S and the 7... I'm told that I need to upgrade and here's all the ways I can upgrade and here's what it gets me and all that sort of stuff. And I kind of feel like the PS4 Pro is the beginning of the push toward like get our stuff more right, often right. and get locked into our system. Don't and, even and, think about going to Xbox next generation because you're already part of our ecosystem. But that's also just so dumb because it, it it's completely contrary to the way that people buy consoles. And weirdly, Microsoft is the one that has tried to imitate the phone market in the past. And they failed miserably because they started doing a thing in 2010 or 2011. No, it was 2010. It was I right remember when the this. Launched. Yeah. Right. Where they said, oh, if you go to a Microsoft oh, store yeah. and subscribe to Xbox Live Gold, which is our bread and butter we will sell you an Xbox 360 for $50. Oh my god, the subsidized it, Xbox. The subsidized I totally Xbox. Forgotten about that. Right, and why are we all sitting here saying, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, they tried that, didn't they? Because nobody fucking bought it, because that's not how they buy consoles. Yeah. People want a console because it's a thing that they can spend what is it's between a really significant purchase and an impulse purchase. That's where consoles have always lived. It's a it's a purchase that you have to think about, but that isn't going to destroy your bank account. And you do it once, and then you don't do it again for at least five years. At least. And sitting there and thinking that people are going to, like, oh, well, they get a new iPhone every two years. Yeah, because they need Verizon and AT&T and Sprint, and they're going to have that service anyway, so they get their phone subsidized. And if they want to pay a little bit extra on top of that to have the fancy thing, they can. There's just... The ecosystem doesn't exist for this model in the console space. It's crazy to think that it would work. And and the thing is, like, I, I think that like when we think of the, the PS4 Pro... 
like we think of it as this half step whereas i think that the when the xbox scorpion comes out next year uh which is like has that reported uh six teraflops of of power making it like i don't know three times as powerful as the ps4 pro like i think that microsoft is going to position that as like a new console Yes, I think you're absolutely yeah right. that that like your Xbox One games will work and will move forward. Your 360 games that are currently backwards compatible will work and mm-hmm. move forward. But they are going to say that the, like this is their attempt to pretend that the Xbox One never happened. Yes, uh, and, and and I think that like it's forwards compatible. <laughs> you mean you mean compatible? <laughs> you mean compatible? Yeah, that was. <laughs> You mean it worked? That was like uh, that. That right there was the stop trying to make fetch happen moment. That was yeah. that was not good. Mark Cerny <laughs> had some serious NPR voice going on. It at was that conference. oh he, oh, he always was, does. <laughs> I could have listened to that all night. Oh God, no! And had the most sweet, relaxing drink. It was creeping me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he sounded like a self actualization guru. Like he's going to. He's got this. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the, it was a weird conference, man. It was. I'm not gonna lie, Dave. I almost, in your honor, in the middle of it, went next sucks. In like just the middle of the crowd. <laughs> I think they probably would have asked me to leave. <laughs> probably. Would have been, been totally worth it. I was sitting in the middle of a row. They couldn't come and get me. <laughs> <laughs> let it happen. Just let it. I. I. Man, the whole thing was just. The fact that they were like, as we can see in Insomniac Spider-Man, a game that nobody has played that doesn't even have a target release date. Like, they don't even say 2017 on Spider-Man. No. Really? It's, it's like, when, yeah, no, it's like, no. it's very early. Yeah. It's, 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 it's coming out eventually. Yeah, yeah eventually. eventually. And yet, that's, that's the first thing you show. That's so weird. It's so goddamn strange. Uh, so speaking of strange, let's take a little, let's take a little, uh, yeah, yeah, let's take a little, uh, time travel trip, shall we? Let's take a little, let's let's do. Dateline 2014. Oh my God. (laughs) That's a bathing beauty. (laughs) (laughs) Why, who's that bathing beauty? It's Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Brother, can you spare a dime? Uh... <laughs> We're so not normal. It's 2014, and a a man who who we love and miss dearly, Satora Iwata, uh, is saying this was covered in Bloomberg. He says when asked about the future of Nintendo on smartphones, he says, given the expansion of smart devices. We are naturally studying how smart devices can be used to grow the game player business. It's not as simple as enabling Mario to move on a smartphone. Now, Smash Cut on two. <laughs> Smash Cut to September seventh, twenty sixteen, and at the iPhone seven reveal, Shigeru Miyamoto is trotted out on stage to introduce Super Mario Run. Woken from his game. Nap. Yeah, woken, woken from his nap, Shigeru Miyamoto goes up on stage and introduces literally the product that Satoru Iwata said would never happen. Uh, Susan, I know you were you were unfamiliar with what Super Mario Run is. Yes. If you had to guess 
Based on your knowledge <laughs> of iPhone games yeah. and the title of the game, Super Mario Run, what would you think it is? Uh, a mishmash of Mario-style platforming with Endless Runner. Ding, 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 ding. We one. have a winner. We, we have a winner. The, the only difference between Super Mario Run and other platformers on iOS, like uh, Rayman and Sonic Dash, has, which has been hugely successful for Sega, is unlike those games, Super Mario Run will not have microtransactions. No, it will. Uh, oh, no, I, but it's it, it's not based around that. Right? Oh, right. It's well, it, it, like, is, it yeah. is a four-pay app, and I think a lot of people yes. were thinking that it wouldn't have microtransactions, but it says, like on the the app page which the app isn't out yet but it already has a page up on on the apple store um yeah. that uh yeah, yeah it like features you'll be it's, it's very likely to include the same sort of microtransactions that Tomo has which is cosmetic stuff it's not like oh you're going to be paying for more levels you you buy the game and then you have the game, and then you can supplement it with things. It's not free-to-play and microtransactions supported. I, th- I thought, though, and uh, again, I was in meetings all through the, the Apple uh, event, so I didn't actually get to see any of this happen. I thought I saw that the levels had ends. Like it's, They do. Okay. So it's not an endless yeah. runner. It's just a runner? It's just a runner. It's, it's a runner... It's uh, Mario on yeah, rails. It's, it's, yeah, it's like it's like uh, the, if you played the Rayman Legends games on iPhone. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, which are, okay. those games are great. Okay, cool. Um, All right, but yeah, I. Hmm. It's really funny. I, I'm actually uh, I have here a uh, a analyst, uh, Sir Ken Toto, was quoted as saying after the event, uh, "The pricing has caused a lot of confusion." Nintendo Japan is historically terrible in communications, and Mario creator Shigeru Miyamoto did a bad job explaining this part of the game when he demonstrated it for the first time. Wow! Yes! <laughs> yes. Wow! That's just accurate, as you can tell by this conversation. Um, I, I, so Dave, you and I have been talking about this all week, mm-hmm. and the really, the really funny part of this is that we didn't know this was happening. Hours Nobody before. Knew this was happening. Literally hours before. Two hours before Shigeru Miyamoto you know, walked on stage yawning, wiping sleep out of his eyes, still wearing his pajamas, because it's always nap time for that guy. Uh, he, You and I were having a conversation, and I was like, this is it. This is the moment when the Nintendo of Hiroshi Yamaachi and Satoru Iwata, which was basically like, we're going to fund the weirdest stuff that we can think of and creativity is going to be our road to profit Mm -hmm. that was the nintendo of old and now we are entering the era of what uh my good friend joe kaiser has called merch nintendo and merch nintendo is like post 1980s 1990s disney animation the the creative era is over we're going to make things that are super high quality I'm, I, they're going to make things that are great because they're really good at making things that are great. But this is it. This is the moment where profitability is the chief goal. Yep. Not making things that are creative and then profiting off of them. Endless Ocean Nintendo, Hotel Dusk Nintendo, that era is gone. It's, it's WarioWare Nintendo is gone. Pilot Wings Nintendo is gone. Now it's Super Mario Run. It's Amiibo. It's uh, Pokemon Go. And 
I'm curious how you guys feel about that. How, like, do, I, I know that sounds like kind of dramatic and fatalistic, uh, but you know, Susan, Sam, Dave, does this change your relationship with Nintendo at all? Well, real quick, where does Star Fox Zero fit into that equation? I think Star Fox Zero is is one of the things that all of Nintendo's shareholders are like, well, we can't have that happening anymore. Right, but I, it also wasn't a very, I mean, no offense to it, but uh, it's all not a super it. creative, it's not a super creative game. Right, it's I, not. And but, but, like, the thing is, is it was a passion project of the head of their production. You know, this mm. was Shigeru Miyamoto's baby trying to resurrect his baby from 1993 using the control scheme that he insisted for years was going to work. This was the big selling point of the Wii U, and he he wanted his showcase, and that's how that game happens, and I don't think we ever see anything like that again. Okay, that's, that's fair. I just wanted a quick clarification because it seems like there are some exceptions to the rule, and if, if we're following your Disney um, analogy... You know, Disney, I think everybody remembers the golden age of Disney, of Aladdin and Lion King, and those really wonderful, beloved films. And then everybody also remembers the crappy direct-to-VHS, uh, God, some of their yeah, Aladdin awful, two. awful, yeah, well, Aladdin 2's alright. But anyway, <laughs> some of their awful, like, animated TV shows were just garbage but now Disney has come back in a really big way, not just with the Marvel and Star Wars thing, but things like Zootopia and Frozen. And right, but I they also what make the new like, one coming out is they, called. They also make Beverly Hills Chihuahua like seven. Right, it's right. true. But so could yeah, Mario? It, so could Super Mario Run it, be their Beverly? Be Nintendo's Beverly Hills Chihuahua while they work on Breath of the Wild. So, yeah, so I, I think it's more a situation, if we want to really belabor this metaphor that I introduced like a dummy, uh, you know, I, <laughs> well, I, I would you say... Know, N- Nintendo no. is often considered the Disney of video games for yeah, and, a lot of reasons. Yeah. And for the vast majority of their career in entertainment, uh, they, they've done the same things. It's about, like, iconography. You know, Nintendo's whole internal design philosophy has always come up with a mechanic and then see which of their mascots best suit it. You know, uh, it's always like, what of this play system and can we put Donkey Kong in it? Can we put uh, Link in it? Can we put Samus in it? No, because we never put Samus in anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, Sam, that it's more like, you know, Super Mario Run is, is more like uh, your Aladdin 2. You know, it's like, oh, Aladdin was huge and we're making the Lion King. We're making Beauty and the Beast and we, we need this other thing to keep that going. What I'm yeah. saying is going to disappear from Nintendo is, you know, just before that period, Disney and especially Disney Animation was coming out of this really fallow period where, you know, the the uh, the old men, the sort of brain trust of creators that were behind Snow White and Pinocchio and Jungle Book and everything had, had long left. And the people that had replaced them were really just cranking out some junkers like the Black Cauldron and movies Excuse like that. Excuse me, the Black Cauldron and is great. You and I love the Black Cauldron, Susan, but it was considered a, a nightmarish yeah, well, flop. Oh, it wasn't Disney, flop. That's true. Di- that's true. And yeah. like, you can't get that movie on Blu-ray. Like, no, di- you, you di- can't di- Disney's not anything. pulling that that movie out of the vault every seven years yeah. to resell it to you. That's true. And, 
And during that period, though, Disney Animation stayed committed to making things like The Black Cauldron. And the greatest success out of that, like, period of, like, really crazy experimentation, which was not just, you know, the animated features, but the semi-animated features, like Black Hole and, you know, that sort of thing, uh, we got Who Framed Roger Rabbit out of it. You know, that was a Disney effort. And... I, I equate in my head in this scenario something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit with WarioWare, with, uh, mm. with, hell, Wii Sports. Wii Sports is a bizarre idea. Incredibly risky, incredibly dangerous to put that into the market. And I don't think anybody would have ever predicted that it was going to take off in the way that it did. And I just, I don't, yeah, like, I, I see Super Mario run, and I think that that, experimental business philosophy that structure is gone i think i real quick i think that there's two possible outcomes to this i think one the super mario runs will be you know like with smaller indie developers like um like way forward games they make a lot of licensed products so that they can Mm. make one really good product that is theirs one original ip so in the good scenario i would hope that Super Mario Run would be that, the licensed product, the thing that they throw out there to funnel money into create more creative ventures so that they can mm-hmm. remain Nintendo. Because I don't think that if they try to if they try to become something like Sony and Microsoft, that they're not gonna succeed on that front and they definitely will face some troubled times ahead. That they mm-hmm. have a reputation for creativity and if they want to succeed they need to keep it. That would be my that would be the good scenario. The bad scenario, the like worst outcome in my mind is that Nintendo starts to go the way of Atari. Not that mm. it like files for bankruptcy, but that it becomes like this nebulous entity that has no real existence outside of its mascots and all those mascots are just products to be moved. Yeah. They don't have a real centralized business or existence outside of the things you can buy mm-hmm. and uh i saw someone tweet <coughs> excuse me uh someone tweet uh the other day when that got announced um i think it was kyle orland or chris Kohler, one of the two uh was saying like what happens when nintendo realizes it can make 10 times as much money with a fraction of the effort yeah yeah i, I mean what i <sighs> I, and correct me if you guys think I'm wrong, because I, I might be really reaching. I don't see how the player, in the same way that the average player who, you know, walked into a Best Buy and was like, oh, the Wii Sports machine, the Wii Fit machine, I know that thing, I'm going to buy that thing, and then they never bought another game. I don't see how this translates from, oh, I see Super Mario Run out there, now I want an NX. No, of course you it know? doesn't. Of I, course it doesn't. Of course. No. Of course it does. Okay, let's. Of course it doesn't. <sighs> I know people have a lot of emotions attached to Nintendo. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I I understand that. I'm gonna need y'all to get the fuck over it because Nintendo <laughs> is a business. Oh, they're mm-hmm. and like some of the like the, the coldest business, like one of the coldest businesses out there. Like this yeah. is going to make. Bank, and it's going to mm-hmm. get them money from people who mm-hmm. wouldn't otherwise be giving them money. Like, like Pokemon mm-hmm. Go did. Exactly, exactly like Pokemon Go did. Yeah, like that is an avenue that makes sense for them. That is a smart yes. move because they know, y'all, 
Y'all have been such suckers for so long. They know no matter what they do, you'll buy it. They stick a Metroid on it or a Mario or a whatever. Y'all buy it. Kirby, boom. Here, take my money. Yeah. Both because you have an emotional attachment to it and because traditionally they are excellent games. They have Mm -hmm. earned that attachment by continually putting out really genuinely fun uh, games that stand the test of time. They don't typically do throwaway crap stuff. And and that's why they are now in this position of being able to have their cake and eat it too. They can put out the Mario run or, you know, or the, or the wait for Yoshi's cookie. I, I guarantee Yoshi's <laughs> cookie will show up on your phone in some fashion. I guarantee it. Dr. Mario. Oh yeah. It's going to happen. It'll be on your phones. See, and, and people who don't otherwise care will give them their 2 or $3 or what have you. And it's an immense, right. immediate revenue stream. Right. And I, I, the only place where we differ, Susan, is that, like, yeah, like, N- Nintendo is a freaking business. They've always been a business. They got into the business of video games in the late 70s because they were like, yo, cash money is waiting Let's go get it. Let's go have that cash. Uh, you know, they, they didn't get into it in a, a place of, like, altruism. Right, like, right. you know, it would be wonderful if we make a fairy tale about an Italian man who hates turtles. Like, that that's not where that came <laughs> yeah, from. Yeah, they just happened uh, to have Shigeru Miyamoto working right, there. Right, yeah. They, they, hire, they hired this guy who just wanted to make toys. Uh, where we differ is that I don't think that the business... There, there's nobody within the corporate culture there anymore that wants to have the cake and eat it too. In the past, I would agree with that. The, I would agree with that. The people, right? The the people that ran Nintendo, and in this history of them making video games, there have only been two. There was Hiroshi Yamauchi, and there was Satoru Iwata, and both of them were almost pathological in their devotion to thinking. Our route to having a sustainable business is to be, like, we need to control the market that we're in, and that's how you got things like forcing every single game maker in the world to, like, buy their cartridges to distribute things and, you know, that sort of crazy stuff. But also, we need to make the most creative, the most wildly different, the most disruptive, Mm -hmm. is the word they've used in the past decade, thing to maintain our market. Here's here's the thing, though. You, you are 100% correct. And uh, Mr. Wada, it was very, it was, the sense of joy of play mm. was, I mean, he was a businessman, top to bottom, but it was also important to him that Nintendo represented the joy of play. Yeah. However, I think it's very safe to say that the consumer, the marketplace and the consumer, has changed a lot yes. in the past and, and this is why... 10, 15 years. And... If Iwata had not been who he was and had the clout he had, mm-hmm. he would not have been able to make the joy part of Nintendo's uh, fabric because it totally. would have been like, totally. yeah, joy's great. That's wonderful. Can you pay rent with it? No, right. we don't care. No. And, and the reality is, is that not only has the market for that sort of like joyful weirdness sort of diminished, that market that you were talking about, Susan, like the people with the deep emotional attachment to Nintendo, like that market has dried dried up. It's gone. 
The Wii U would have been successful if that market was still something that you could sustain That's a business true. with. That's yeah. true. But the only... Th- like, look at this. What has been successful for Nintendo since 2012? Amiibo. Not the Wii U. The Wii U is a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't sell for shit. Those people who you could be relied on to be like, I'm coming back for Zelda. Which one? All of them. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> that person is gone. I just stole that joke from Penny Arcade. I fully admit I stole that joke from Penny. Arcade. I was laughing at the voice, uh, not the joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that that Nintendo fan, they're dead. And merch Nintendo now has a product for them. They have the NES Mini. They're just going to sell them the old thing. They don't need to make that fan new things anymore. My my hope is that Breath of the Wild ends up being the, uh, you know, being being the thing that shows that Nintendo is still capable of creativity. Like it was the only game that they brought to E three and it won game of the show. Breath of the Wild yeah. will be absolutely spectacular, and it's Zelda Swan Song. Yes. Oh, really? like like completely. the last the last Zelda game. The last in in the, the way last, that we think of Zelda games. Zelda games. Yes, yeah. I, I yeah. like like how will, Phantom Pain the is the last Metal Zelda. Gear. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. the, of as an event, yeah. it will be. Well, like I think we'll pro- wow. we will the... still get um, handheld Zelda games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. But but yeah. as for you know major huge, I I think this is it. Yeah, like get 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 ready for more Triforce heroes, everybody. No, I'm going with Link yeah. Between Worlds. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's a great, I, that I is want, a great uh, yeah, game. Brilliant. I would take more of those. Yeah, games. exactly. That I, game's I, brilliant. Yeah, Link Between Worlds is like pound for pound. I think the best thing that Nintendo has internally developed in ten years. Uh, that's that's my opinion. Um, I think the next I think the next great uh, mobile game from Nintendo is going to be a city builder with. Uh, Hyrule. Oh wow! You play as Link, yeah. and you have to go on. You have to send out Link and little minions on quests to return gold to the land of Hyrule, so you can rebuild it after Ganon has destroyed it. Will I'm it actually it, be? Will it be it minions, now. Sam? Will it actually? It'll be tied in with DreamWorks, and it'll be minions. It'll be Link <laughs> crossed over with Despicable Me. <laughs> I, I would, Zel- I would play Zelda cross minions. I'm just saying, I'd play it. That sounds awesome. Uh, Dave, I'm calling it now. <laughs> Dave, on the subject of things that are a creative rebirth for a a storied franchise and company, uh, you know this this kind of got dour on Nintendo and the future of Nintendo. But you got to spend some time with a game that is going to do for another venerated Japanese series what you want Breath of the Wild to do for Zelda, but you already have the proof that that's happening here, it seems, based on your play session with Final Fantasy XV. Yeah, I was going to say Kingdom Hearts 2.8 HD, but no, that's not. Uh, <laughs> yes, that that little chest. No, I yeah, I got to play uh, two hours of Final Fantasy XV uh, last weekend, and I could have I just wanted to like distract the PR people in the room and take the PlayStation and run. Um, Cause it, oh my god, it's such a weird, 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 weird game. And like two hours is definitely not enough time to like make a quality judgment. Either way, uh, the combat definitely feels better than it did in prior demos. Like I actually I played the Disque demo last night just to kind of 
remember how that turned out. And, like, that was a demo that they updated, too, because I'd never played the update. Um, and, yeah, like, combat in the Duske demo feels very um, flat. You're just kind of holding the button and attacking enemies until they die. And in this one, there's a lot more uh, moving around the field, a lot more um, control of the space, a lot more party uh, interactions, uh, a lot more strategy there. Uh, it's a lot easier to, to do your warp strikes and to like find a spot off in the distance to warp strike up and then launch down. Um, it's very pretty. The the banter between the four the four heroes is really cool. Like the the, the opening two hours um, are surprisingly chill for a Final Fantasy game. Like this is a series that has had. Uh, very starts with like Final Fantasy X starts with an underwater soccer game and like corn for some reason. <laughs> um, it's the the Japanese equivalent of corn. Yeah, yeah gi- giant boogers fall from the sky and corn plays. And then Patrick Swayze in a trench coat comes up and he's like, "This is your story." Yeah, and you get sucked into a giant like uh, space monster. And so yeah, like whereas this is the, 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 there's if you if you haven't seen the 50 minute Gamescom video, I will not spoil the beginning of the game, but like the the very opening like two minutes of this game are kind of that, but it's a fake out. Like it it, it immediately goes to white and then it cuts to like it, like um, at the very like to the to the beginning of the story, and it's you and your bros and your car's broken down on the side of the road. And, uh, and you have to push it to the gas station. And everyone's, like, kind of bickering about who's going to drive next so someone else can push. And uh, just kind of complaining about the state of things. Cars are driving past them without helping. Uh, and it's, it's a slow moment, but it's very effective in, in immediately grounding this bonkers world like we we've all seen kings i don't think sam's seen kingsglaive yet but uh anthony and susan like we we've all seen kingsglaive and it's a movie of 2016 it's a yeah it's it's a strange world right yeah it's weird it's deeply weird but now you have this moment where it's like no it's just a bunch of guys pushing a cart like everyone knows what that feels like and that's a thing that like final fantasy 13 didn't have that across three games (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa! You say, you're telling me that people don't know what it's like to live for 500 years in a world without death, and where birds live in people's hair, but at night those birds become sexy showgirls that ask you to do altruistic things for them. I, I don't think it's common. It's not. It's not a common. It's not something that a lot of people can really like relate to. <laughs> I don't Maybe think some people in the boroughs of uh, San Francisco can relate, but probably San Francisco and some parts of Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna say that I don't totally know what that's like, but I don't not totally know what that's like. <laughs> but uh... Uh, yeah, man. I like I, I'm I'm reticent. Like I want to ask you about specifics. I know people might. Like, Final Fantasy is the kind of thing that people say, I don't want anything to be spoiled. So I guess we should say... I mean, like, I'm uh, not... There's not a whole lot of story in those moments that they haven't already talked about. And I can, like, talk very obliquely. Like, I I mean, you know... I want to 
to hear about what? I want to hear about World of Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay, okay. Okay. Let, let's so, get into it. Ask me questions. Let's. What all is right. it? Okay, Dick. Yeah, Dave. What? What the fuck is World of Final <laughs> okay. Fantasy? Okay. So World of Final Fantasy is a game for kids. It is. It is Square Enix's. Uh, uh, is it like in the same way that tricks are for kids, or like like? I mean, anybody can enjoy <laughs> tricks. Right, this is my question. So, okay. Can I enjoy World of Final Fantasy? I think you can, and here's why. It's basically, so it is Square Enix's attempt to introduce the Final Fantasy series to a younger audience. Okay, are we talking, like, give me a target age. Like Disney XD. I don't know what that is. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a, ten year old. Ten year old. Okay, okay, okay. Like, tweens, yeah. Like, ten to twelve. yeah. Yeah. But like, and it's it's not funky tweens. Yeah, but it's like not up its own butt like Kingdom Hearts is. At <laughs> <Okay>. least yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, it'll probably get that way by World of Final Fantasy uh, Exordium HD oh, 2.12 yes. edition. <gasps> yes. Oh my God! World of Final Fantasy minus 4.3. Yes. Treebeard's Revenge. <laughs> Fred Savage crossover duodecium ceiling fan. Yes. <laughs> I'll play that. I'm sorry. So, so yeah, so, like, you know, you have... Uh, so, well, let me get my notes out of here real quick, because I, I, I wrote I wrote down some notes. I wrote the word uh, puns in very, very large letters, and I underlined it. So, like, um, like Dragon Quest-level puns? Yeah. Like okay, so so uh, there's a battle where you um, like you meet up with the summons Ifrit, uh, Ramu, and uh, Shiva, and uh, Ifrit says, "Hail and well met," you know, like greeting you, and and the the boy, um, his name is Lon, is a total boneheaded idiot, just just a total airhead, like. Like, like basically, uh, Brad Pitt's character in uh, True Romance, and he he says, "Hail and Wellmet," like people's names. Like that's not our names. And like, part of me, I laughed at that joke, and I felt really like I hated myself. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> but it's just like it, it's just it's really effervescent. It's very just it's very bubbly. It's very light. Um, but it it also has some strategic hooks. So. It's kind of Pokemon-y in that you fight monsters and you can imprism them. Uh, imprism. Yeah, that's a Final Fantasy word. Yeah, and when you do that, like basically, you know, you, you do the Pokemon thing where you attack them a bunch, you get their health down, and then you you imprison them, and then they come to your side. And they're these little monsters, and you stack them on your head. You stack monsters on your head, and what it does, <laughs> yeah. And what that means is that you are essentially taking their stats and adding it to your own. So now your character is imbued with the their elements and some of their abilities and their their strength and defense and your like your HP increases that sort of thing. So individually you can do stronger attacks, or you can unstack them on uh, from your head and have them on the ground. And what that does is your individual attacks are weaker. But now suddenly you have more of them, and uh, there's like the time gauge that goes. So like each it, it's turn based, but it's like active time gauge. So and you can see a physical representation of it on the side of the screen. Um, so you have to decide like, well, you know, do I need to unstack these people so I get more attacks in on a turn, or get like weaker attacks so I can capture enemies, or do I just want to do like two really powerful attacks? Um, 
in a turn if if I'm just kind of like speeding through these battles. And yeah, so like you'll meet they're called Lilikens. They're basically little Funko Pop bubble bobblehead people of uh, various Final What are they called? What are they called? Lilikens. <laughs> Uh, Damn it! Yeah, and but they're like the 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 named characters that you meet are basically the, they're the summons of the world. So you are fighting with monsters as your party members, but you are summoning heroes, and it's a uh, I don't know it's it's just it's really cute. It's what? But okay, f- sorry if okay. if is it for kids because it's cute because it's easy because it's simple. A little, a, a little of all of it. Okay. It's, it's, it is a simplified version of like a typical Final Fantasy turn-based battle, uh, but there is still, there's still some str- strategy there. So like you can upgrade your characters on this sort of uh, like each of your uh, monster uh, monsters that you get um, can be upgraded and, uh, by leveling up, leveling them up. They get ability points, and there's like a grid. But, like, all of it's laid out in a very easy-to-understand way. You're not going to get, like, really into the nitty-gritty. You just unlock a thing. It's like, oh, you have more health now. Or, oh, your characters are stronger. Oh, I get it. Oh, okay. Now, okay. now you can cure. So we don't, um, we don't have the sphere grid from Final Fantasy X? It's not that, no. It's <laughs> so not that so it's like Baby's First RPG. Basically. Okay. But it also it has some hooks in there that I, I, I think are, like, they're interesting. In a way that, like, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, which actually is Baby's first RPG, was not. I'm really excited, man. I Like, everything you're saying to me about this is, you know, uh, I, I was so... Like, we, we talked about this last week on the podcast. Like, I've been really excited about this because I look at it and I love Final Fantasy and I'm like, What are you?! Blobby Quistus and Blobby Squall and Blobby Lightning? I, like... But now that you're saying like, oh, it's it's just a sort of simplified, breezy uh, Final Fantasy. That just, I'm really excited to play that, man. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. It to has play a that. it has a good look too. Like it's it's it has it's a simple look, uh, very evocative of Tetsuya Nomura's uh, designs. I think he did the character designs for the two main characters at the very least. I'm not sure what else he did, but he he was involved with it. Um, but yeah, it's just it's. I don't know. I think, like, it's weird, right? Because Final Fantasy isn't a brand that you would really associate with kids, at least like, like not not anymore. not not anymore, right? And uh, not for a very long time. Um, but you know, they they've made attempts at it. Like there was the that Chocobo's Tales game that came out on DS way back when, and a few other things. And it's like they have the cutesy characters to do it. It's just yeah. you know the. Like, a lot of their hardcore fans want the d- kind of depth that a kid is like it's just going to go right over a kid's head and i yeah. think like pulling a lot of that stuff out while still kind of retaining the the strategic essence of the series uh, and like slowing it down a little bit uh I, I i found it maybe perhaps a little bit too slow but then i remembered like you know this is supposed to be for like my daughter who's like this would be her first uh, time playing a game like this and needs that sort of like, okay, so here are the turns, this is the order, things are moving, uh, I need to get my thoughts together. Um, and there are also different ways that you can customize the battle. Like, there, there's uh, the the normal way that you can interact with battles, which is just like, uh, you have 
a series of, like, you press up on the, the analog stick or down, and that accesses different abilities based on the character. Or you can press L1, and that accesses the classic menu, which is, like, you have attack, item, defend, just like you would in a, in a Final Fantasy game. That's really cool. So you can Susan, customize that I know, way. I know you, Susan, you have to run. I do, yes. You have, to, you have to go. I know that there was a, a game that you've been playing for the past week that you want to tell the people. I do, yes. Uh, it's called Patchwork. Um, I'm, I'm upset because I'm not going to be here for the Picross conversation. So maybe, maybe we can shift the Picross conversation to next week. Uh, but in the meantime, Patchwork. Okay, so it's a mobile game based on a board game. And the, my... The base description is not going to sound really appealing to you, but but take the journey with me. That's all. That's all I'm asking. It's a it's a game in which the object is to make a quilt. Huh. I know, I know. Sounds thrilling. Sold. So, sounds incredibly Sold. exciting. Uh, it's a two player game, and you can either play against AI, uh, or you can do a ranked match, uh, or you can you can do pass and play, which is really nice. And uh, you get tetrano shaped patches. That you are trying to fit into a, I think it's an eight by eight board, and obviously you okay. want to make as as solid a quilt as you can without any holes in it, because what good is a blanket that has holes in it? And what I really like about it is, first of all, the aesthetic is completely adorable, because it's all it's very Yoshi's Woolly World or Kirby's Epic Yarn, where or, or uh, a Little Big Planet, where everything's made out of fabric and, and thread and buttons and, and all that, so it's super cute. But what I like about it is there's lots of layers of strategy because of how you move around the board and how you obtain these pieces that you're fitting into your blanket. Uh, Whoever is closest to start on the track on the board, it's their turn. So if someone is six spaces ahead of you, if you can just move in tiny enough increments, you can just keep taking turn after turn after turn until you catch up with them, and then it's their turn. And the fabric pieces that you buy, each one costs a certain number of buttons, which you collect as you go, and will move you a certain number of spaces. So this patch over here might cover up a nice big part of your quilt, but maybe it moves you like way far down the board. Maybe this one isn't quite so good, but if it, it only moves you one or two spaces. So maybe you take that and then take advantage of the next turn that you get instead of just going right for the, the, the biggest patch. So it's this really, really layered strategy that you, you constantly have to be shifting on the fly. Uh, and it's very, very easy to pick up and play. It'll, it'll take you a few minutes to learn it. And uh, the AI has different difficulty levels as well. Easy, medium, and hard, uh, depending on uh, how sassy you're feeling. Hmm. <laughs> I kind of I don't know if this is the kind of thing that I want to play but it is the kind of thing Susan that I am looking forward to seeing you rant about on <laughs> <laughs> I smell an alpha bear scenario it is very I I do uh, I have a very personal uh, emotional relationship with the little felt owl who is the representative yeah. of the AI? Uh, I do. There are there are there are free um, single square patches that if you if you're the first one to cross it on the board, you get it, and it, and they can be oh, very useful okay. for filling in the little holes in your blanket. And every time he gets one, I yell. 
scream <laughs> at him, and uh, you know, and it, and I will, I will absolutely one hundred percent do moves that are not in my best interests just so I can get that patch instead of him, just to deny it, to patch block him. I will do that. Yeah. So it's. So we are. We're by no means done hearing about this game from probably you. Probably not. Like, no, probably not. Yeah. I, I will be is... tweeting uh, pictures of it regularly. Patchwork, I think it's three bucks. Also, uh, there's DLC that turns your fabric into, uh, it can cover it either with dinosaurs or kitties or a space theme. So. Did you buy the Of course the I did. One? Did you buy the cat? Of course I yeah, did. Okay. Are you kidding? <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> just check. I just needed to double yeah. check. I had to know. Uh, Had to make sure that you were not exactly. a Cylon. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so yeah, it's 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 a very very good. Uh, one of the things I like is there are lots of uh, competitive games uh, available on mobile, but they mostly all revolve around either some kind of dice or deck or army building, uh, you know, something like that. This is something that is a, a completely different take on on competition, mm. and uh, I I really enjoy the fresh approach. Man, yeah, this sounds awesome. Uh, all right, so I, like again, I, I want to make sure you fit everything in before you have to run. There's something else that you've been playing, and I know Dave really wants to talk about it as well. So Picross yes. 3D, Picross. Yes, I actually, uh, I Dave is to thank. It's so good for me playing Picross because uh, the only reason I paid any attention to it at all was because he constantly was talking about how wonderful this game is. I look good. I like good video games, Susan. Yeah, but I, but <laughs> I will get you guys to play Talos Principle one that's of these days. So never gonna I happen. I bought it. Buddy. I haven't no, played it. No, damn it. I'm halfway there, Dave. Damn it. No, never. Um, but but here's the thing. I have <laughs> trouble visualizing stuff, like you know, seeing you know that picture in your mind's eye of, of things. I really have trouble doing it. So given that Picross 3D is in 3D, like if it's a flat 2D image, I can kind of do it. But if it's a 3D image, I really, really struggle. So I wasn't, I didn't want to, I didn't know if I'd enjoy it. I didn't know if I'd even be capable of doing it. But free demo. Yay. Yeah, which it just reinforced to me how important it is to be able to, to try games before you buy them, especially when it's something you have no basis of comparison for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nintendo was actually very good about putting up demos for things that are are hard to translate yeah. to mm-hmm. people i think uh i mean you know I, I i hate it but metroid federation force blast ball they just gave it away for free like the, the full the full mode it like as a demo was just like here have the have the rocket league thing and this is a really good good way to try this mm-hmm. out i i am going to probably just go ahead and purchase picross 3d2 uh, that said, I love Picross. Like, going back to Game Boy, I like Picross games. They're a brand of puzzle game that drives me. <laughs> well, yes. Because I'll get to a point where it's like, this is amazing! I can't believe I figured that one out! Two hours later, die, puzzle. I yeah. hate you. Yep. That's try- accurate. Grind or- up stupid game. Or getting right near to the very end and then accidentally using the wrong like oh yeah yeah and like (laughs) 
fucking everything up and going like, God damn it, that was 20 minutes, and now I have to start over. Because you don't get <laughs> as many worst. points on your puzzle completion if you uh, get misses. Okay, guys, I, I have to bounce. So, bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. All right. Yes. Yep. We'll Yay. see. You. We'll see you later. Bye, 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 bye. bye. Susan. Everybody, let's talk bye. about Ali Ali. Let's talk about Ali Ali. Ali Ali podcast. I hate all of you so much. I just, <laughs> you're just all dead to me. Goodbye. Damn it. All right. Bye, Susan. Uh, Dave, how far into Picross 3D are you? Oh my god, I am almost to puzzle 100, and I there are like 300 some odd puzzles in this game. <laughs> and I've been basically playing it nonstop since I got it on Monday. Just shotgunning this game. Yeah, it is. Oh man! And I like the the nice thing about Picross 3D Round Two is that you can choose your difficulty level right off the bat. So like the, there are more complex shapes in the game, uh, like mm-hmm. s- smaller grids. Like s- like some of them are just like a flat grid. And it's literally just like, okay, buh, buh, paint, paint, you're done. Yay! But uh, the difficulty level changes the complexity of the numbers around that grid. So if you are the kind of person that just, like, you like the game, but you don't want to, you know, you don't want to bust your brain too much while playing it, put it on easy or normal, and, like, you won't get as many points uh, because the, the difficulty determines your multiplier, but you'll still be able to, like, get through and unlock puzzles and, like, have a good time. Um, whereas I, because I am the kind of person that played Picross 3D1, like, eight times front to back, uh, I just put it immediately on hard. And, uh, there's a little bit of a ramp up. Like, the game does a really good job of, uh, teaching you its basic concepts, and then there are certain, uh, the, the areas are broken up into books. So, like, a book will have a certain theme of puzzles. Like, this is all space theme. This is all, like, hobby stuff. And, um, and some of the books are tips and tricks. And you can go in, and it teaches you, like, okay, so you have a block of five. Which of these can you paint? And you paint the middle one because it's like, well, or you paint, um, you know, you, you, like you, you, a block of five with a three on the end. Which of these do you paint? And it's like, okay, I paint the middle one because I know that that one has to be that color. And then there are like other tips and tricks that like teach you the more complex uh, kind of tools that you need to solve. It's more difficult puzzles, which is really cool. Um, it's just, and it's just, it's got a real jazzy soundtrack. Just like the smoothest <laughs> jazz. There are images. That's always the best part of Picross. Yeah. It's always the sweet jams. Yeah, and there's like an image of a pixelated coffee mug with steam coming out of it. So like, that's the kind of game it is. It's just it's. Uh, I, I described it on Twitter as ninety. Like Picross 3D Round Two is ninety eight percent perfection, one percent uh, rage from from. Uh, accidentally tapping the wrong thing at the very end of a puzzle and screwing up and 1% claw hand from playing too long <laughs> on a 3DS. Uh, but yeah, like the, the the big twist in this one is that now that there are two numbers. So before you would just you would have uh, you would have numbers on the grid. Um, the numbers tell you how many uh, spots uh, on that particular row or column that you need to fill in and there there are normal numbers so it's like a block that's a uh, a row that says nine you know nine of those need to be filled in if it's a nine that has a circle around it then you know that uh there's a a gap somewhere there's one gap uh 
And if there's a square around it, that means there's at least two gaps. So put, using those numbers, you have to, uh, be, you know, you chip away at this thing like some kind of sculptor. And you're, you've finished the puzzle by, you know, using logic. It, like, there are numbers, but it's not really math. Like, you're, you're doing basic counting, but you're not adding or subtracting anything. So don't don't think it's, like, a math game, because it's not. What this it's game... more Yeah, it's more Minesweeper than math. Yeah. Uh, what this game does is it adds two sets of numbers now. So now you have blue numbers and you have orange numbers. Blue numbers are your normal blocks... Uh, and orange numbers are the special shapes. So you'll fill in the uh, orange numbers, and once you complete a row, the orange numbers will start to transform. And once you complete the row and the column that the orange blocks are in, they will transform into their completed shapes. So sometimes they'll be like a circle, or sometimes they'll be a triangle. And that way you can get, like, because before it was all very, like, here's a pixelated frog that kind of looks like a frog but not and now it's like oh no the, the, <laughs> the frog's eyeballs are actually round and you can get um the, they, they still have a very like toy-like shape to them but now they they look more like wood carvings than just like pixelated messes of shapes um yeah. it's like it, i at first i was like oh i don't know about this i don't know if i like this change this is different this is new this is uh you're messing with my pick cross but no like uh, once you get used to it it's it, it changes the formula in just enough of a way that makes it like just as satisfying but in a different way badass yeah it's badass. great it's great it, it, it's it's the best game that nintendo's going to put out this year i guarantee you I guarantee well, it. Super than... Mario Run might still happen by the end of the year. <laughs> Let's not. We're not talking about that. I mean, better better than Star Fox Guard. Uh, Star Fox Guard is fine. Uh, I don't know, like a lot of people really like the Fire Emblem games. I can't. I don't. I've never really been able to get into them. But uh, like as far as just accessibility and with over like over three hundred puzzles, I've spent a week and I'm only a third of the way through. And that has to have that has to be at least like ten to twelve hours of just puzzles, and then you know there's at least two hundred more, and they're only getting more complex and harder at this point. So, yeah, <laughs> this can I tell a it's per, it, short. It's a perfect game. Can I, can I tell a short? semi-interesting story about the first Picross? Please do. No. Uh, yes, you may. The, fir- <laughs> the first Picross is actually, I'm going to say, is part of the reason that I am able to do this professionally. Oh. So, when I was working at the college newspaper, um, I wanted to do, like, a video game review section, because we had movie reviews, but we weren't doing video game reviews. And in our inter- movies and music, uh, but we weren't doing games in our entertainment section. So at first, I just started doing like I would buy the games that I was going to buy anyway, and I would do a review as soon as I could, and we'd put it into the paper. Um, somehow, this got the attention of Nintendo of America's PR firm. They reached out to me, and they're like, hey, do you want to review games? We'll send you advanced copies and give you embargoes and stuff like that. And Picross 3D was the first game they ever sent me. Wow, So it was my first, like, it was like my first professional interaction with a publisher where I did a review 
of a game from sent by them you know they didn't pay me for it but it was still like the first time that it wasn't just me picking up a game i was going to play anyway and blogging about it man so that, thanks thanks picross that's super freaking cool that's, yeah man. that's a good wow. story dave what was the first game you ever reviewed professionally oh god like for money yeah, like, well, for for not personal use. Like, okay. even if it was... Like, my first video game review I ever wrote was for $15. Okay, and so... And I had to buy the game myself. So the, the first game that I ever wrote a review for, for a, uh, like, ju- for a small website, uh, volunteer, didn't get paid, was Super Mario Sunshine. Mm, uh, nice. Because, yeah, like, I, I wrote mm. about games for a while, and I stopped, and then I started up again. Uh, but the first game that I ever got paid to review was for Games Radar. Actually, it was the f- the first freelance uh, assignment that I ever had. And it was for Ollie Ollie. No shit. <laughs> Fuck you. I, yeah, I, it I, sure was. <laughs> We're actually talking about Ollie. Sure am. It's amazing. <laughs> That's so good. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, I love that game, by the way. Oh, it's so good. I I love it. I love that game. I gotta go. I gotta pick up the physical edition because the physical edition rules. Uh, the very first game that I reviewed professionally was for a bullshit site called Associated Content in uh, in two thousand six, and it most certainly was Final Fantasy VII: Dirge of Cerberus. Oh man! Mm. Yeah. Did you wear your but, Vincent cons- costume while? You- yeah, yeah. I put on the whole shebang and drank an entire bottle of rum, being like, "It's never gonna get better than this." Uh, <laughs> luckily, it did. <laughs> yeah, luckily it did. The first review copy that I was sent though was uh, just a couple of months after that. Uh, I convinced Nintendo that I was a real writer, and, <laughs> and they sent me a copy of Star Fox Command. Oh wow! Which, oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that was that was it. That, that was the first moment that I realized that reviewing games was really hard. It is hard. It's a lot it's harder hard. than people think it is. It's a lot harder than people think it is because I, I was like, there are parts of this that are really good, mm-hmm. and then. Parts of, parts of they're this really though. bad and you can't just you can't just write that and turn that into your editor right you can't just be like hey star fox <laughs> this game sucks that. sometimes and then like that's your copy uh no it doesn't work like that not not uh, a thing that, some of that the works. first games that i got like actually from pr were uh, actually uh, review builds of Atlas games, like I reviewed, uh, I don't think it exists on the internet anymore, like that's how long ago this was, but I reviewed uh, Robot Alchemic Drive. Yeah! And I reviewed... Which is, it's hard to believe that that game exists. That game is, it's rad. Like, it is its name. It's it's broken and awful, but rad as hell. And I reviewed Disaster Report. Oh, wow. Ooh, Similar. I remember Disaster Report. Yeah, and that's when I, that's when I discovered that I love weird-ass games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, everybody, that brings us to the end of the show. So, for the past few weeks, we have asked people to give us reviews on iTunes, because that's what you do on a podcast. Like, follow, subscribe. Like, follow, subscribe. Like, follow, subscribe. Like, follow, subscribe. Like, so I've, I've realized that something that we should do to encourage this behavior is that if you review Radio Radar on iTunes, we will read your review on the air. Even oh. if you tell us that we're awful, 
we will read... It's like viewer mail. Like viewer mail. So, uh, this one is from uh, last week. We have a few from last week. And 2-6 says, Here you will hear a cast of diverse, confident, absurd, and unpretentious voices. Yay! They talk... They talk about games and other stuff. While there are probably people doing the talking, I haven't seen them, so who's to say? <laughs> I'm going to play some games now. <laughs> so That went off the rails in the best way, I think. Yeah, 2-6, thank you so much for that review. Um, I am now having an existential crisis because he's right. Like, are we really here, man? man. What if this is all a simulation, man? (laughs) What if it's all... What do you think, DuJour? So, Freezing Grip is another one from last week. Freezing Grip says, I really love the new podcast. It's funny and informative. I have followed Susan's work for years, and she is as funny and genuine here as she has always been. P.S. I hate Lost, though. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, I mean, I realize... like, I love that show, but also, I think every Lost fan hates that show as much as they love it. Yes. It's yeah, the only it's, way to enjoy it's... it. <laughs> it's the yeah. only way to fly? With, with, yeah, with, uh, the, with a nice heaping side of self-loathing. Oh my god, I just... I, like, you know, Shut one up, day Nicky should, and Paolo. We should have Damon Lindelhoff on the stream or the podcast and just be like, so what's your deal, man? Why do you do this to people? Why, like, why do you? He'll, why he'll, do you write? All he'll do is wh- raise wh- a bunch of questions and then disappear and, <laughs> and not answer any of them. Lost, oh man, Lost is the keeping up with the Kardashians of serial television. Oh, oh that's burn! Wow, ow, Sam. Am I wrong? No, you're I right. I mean, you're no, right. but without Lost, you wouldn't have so many other great shows. Like, I, I, I hold Lost in like twenty four up as this like sort of rebirth of serial television even though they both have a lot of problems (laughs) like 24 literally a lot of crimes to answer for (laughs) 24 every season literally just evolves to there's a nuke and Kiefer sutherland breaks a guy's neck if you're not a shitty solid snake in in 24 then you are either a woman that he needs to protect or you're a terrorist rapist or kidnapper right like or you're all of the above. Right. Those are your two options. You're either shitty solid snake, or you're a lady. Yes. He needs to protect. Right. Or you're a monster. Right. No one else exists and, in that universe. And the other thing too is that like every season I watch it, I'm like, oh my god, like the way that it starts, it's like, oh, these are actual like personal stakes. It's not just like nukes that the ter- like <laughs> like like no the, like someone's actually gonna have to deal with something that is like relatable and human and, and no no it's fucking nukes eight episodes in it's fucking nukes <laughs> maybe always nukes. maybe the nuke the nuke is a metaphor for his family struggles oh and him trying to be a better father oh my David. God. <laughs> All right, David everybody. Chloe. We we want you to like, follow, subscribe, yes. like, follow, subscribe, like, follow, subscribe, like, follow, subscribe, like, follow, subscribe. Like, follow, subscribe. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode of Radio Radar. Until then, goodbye. Adieu.
Do I do I hit stop on my recording? <laughs> <laughs>